All right, welcome back to the Locked On Big Ted Podcast. My name is Adam Eaton. Thank you for listening to us on the Locked On Podcast Network, which is available wherever you get your high-quality podcast. Just a reminder, the Locked On Big Ten Podcast is your home for information on all the happenings with your favorite Big Ten team, news, notes, recaps, interviews. You will find them all here exclusively on the show. To follow us, make sure you, uh, you get on Twitter. You can find us at Locked On Big Ten. If you want to hear and follow more from me, um, you can find me on Twitter as well. My handle is Sports by Adam. On the Wednesday edition of the show, coaches' salaries were released. That's always an interesting topic. We'll get into those in a little bit. We have your weekly Wednesday power rankings. We will rank the the teams in the Big Ten, and you might not uh, you might not like my order. So uh, curious to see that part. There's a lot going on with Minnesota. They are seven and zero. A surprise, maybe a surprise team, uh, and so we have. Uh, we have Ryan Burns from uh, from Gophers Illustrated joining us to tell us more about what's going on in Minnesota. But until then, let's start off with a little news right here off the top. Let's take a quick swing around the Big Ten. Let's see what's happening out there in the news. Let's uh, let's start here. We got some new Sounders this week. Let's uh, let's start with this school, Illinois Fighting Illini. All right, the Fighting Illini. So they announced today Trayvon Sidney will be out for the season. Uh, Atlanta fans may remember Trayvon. He's a transfer from USC. Um, is that an up and down season? 16 catches on the year, uh, but he's, he's played a little bit of a, a role for them. I, I think perhaps more is expected from a USC pedigree. The good news, if uh, if you're Trayvon, is he he still would have additional year uh, if he wants to apply for a grad transfer uh, or, and or medical hardship. So he still has that option in front of him. But this will give uh, some options for some of the younger Illinois receivers, and so. We'll see where the newly uh, crowned Lovey Smith goes from a receiver standpoint. But uh, news out of Illinois, Trayvon Sidney is out for the season. Iowa Hawkeyes. Iowa's got their own injury news. Brandon Smith, leg injury. He's out. Not sure how long Kirk Ferentz was a little bit coy about that today. Said it was a lower leg injury. Uh, at first, perhaps there was some talk that he might be back and ready for this weekend. Turns out that won't be the case. This could be an interesting uh, interesting position to watch. He has 33 catches on the year, but again, does open the door for some other receivers, maybe a name like Oliver Martin. Uh, they are playing Northwestern this weekend, so we'll see how much uh, they may or may not need uh, Brandon Smith, and, and uh, hopefully he's not out for too long because uh, Iowa certainly has a lot of goals in front of them, so it'll be curious to see how, uh, how they handle that injury. Maryland Terrapins. Yeah, Maryland's got some interesting things happening. So uh, Tyrell Pigram has started the last couple of games at quarterback. Uh, news came out today that Josh Jackson, their uh, their starter for uh, for most of the season, is now uh, potentially eligible to play and ready to play. Um, however, Mike Loxley has not made an announcement yet on who his starting quarterback will be. So we may have to watch this one down to the wire. It could be the old dreaded game time decision. Not the only good news, though, coming out of Maryland. Running back Anthony McFarland also appears to be ready to, to play this weekend as well. Uh, and so they uh, they both potentially could be in the lineup as Maryland goes and uh, and plays Minnesota. And so we'll see uh, we'll see how that turns out. Uh, but something to keep an eye on here. Um, and we will uh, we will keep you updated as always. Michigan State Spartans. Sparty news, more in the basketball realm. So yesterday we told you that uh, Michigan State is now the number one ranked team in the AP preseason poll. Today, though, bad news. Senior guard Joshua Langford will be sidelined with a foot injury um, until at least mid-January. It looks like they're going to reevaluate then. 
This is a sad one. You saw Tom Izzo today. If you, if you followed any of the coverage, he was uh, he was pretty choked up, pretty emotional um, when talking about Langford. Uh, he only played 13 games, uh, that is, last year at Langford, um, but he averaged 15 points a game. So he certainly is a, uh, is a big loss for a team that, uh, again, just got ranked as the number one team in preseason. There are some young options, uh, uh, a, a true freshman. Uh, his first name is Rocket, which I just think is awesome. And uh, there may be some options um, for for him to step in, but uh, unfortunate bad news out of Sparty, and, uh, and they'll be without one of their leaders here to start the season. Michigan Wolverines. More basketball news out of Michigan. So this time, uh, obviously, the Wolverines. It was announced today, Juwan Howard announced, that Franz Wagner, who you may think of or know of as the brother of former uh, Wolverine great Mo Wagner, he has a broken right wrist, wrist, and he will be out six to eight weeks. Uh, and this is a major blow. I think Michigan was going to rely on this kid um, pretty early on. There was uh, some talk of him getting some significant minutes in and, uh, and Juwan Howard's first year. It will be interesting to see how uh, how he adjusts. Um, I sir, uh, you know, I'm sure all eyes will be on uh, on Juwan, and uh, you know, not having uh, Franz Wagner out there initially uh, could certainly uh, could certainly start them off on a bad foot. Nebraska Cornhuskers. All right, GBR. So F- Scott Frost hinted at this earlier in the uh, in the off season, but uh, it was officially announced that they will wear their alternate black jerseys this weekend at home against Indiana. If you're not familiar, the the black shirts is a, an homage to the the old black shirt defense um, from Nebraska days. Uh, the uh, the players in, in practice will wear black shirts. It was kind of a badge of honor. Nebraska's defense hasn't really been the strongest this year, so. Curious to see if the uh, the black jersey will uh you know will will spark something for Eric Chenander's unit. Frost is usually pretty good about these kind of things and, and revolutionizing and, and staying on the forefront of this stuff. So cool to see them come out with an alternate jersey. Curious to see how the fans take it. Obviously, Nebraska is a pretty tradition rich um, uh, location, and so uh, let's see how the fans react to uh, to the jersey switch. Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Rutgers is tinkering with a couple of different ideas. Obviously not the season I think Rutgers had been hoping for. And so potential change at quarterback freshman, true freshman Cole Snyder could see some playing time this week as, uh, as they welcome Liberty to, uh, to town. Redshirt freshman Johnny Langan has stru- uh, started the last couple of games, but he's, uh, he's really struggled. And so there's some thought about running out the true freshman Cole Snyder to see what he has to bring. Uh, interesting game this weekend with Liberty. It's uh, funny. Liberty, uh, although a road team, is actually favored um, to uh, to go in there and, and Rutgers, uh, and so we'll uh, we'll see what uh, we'll see what that holds. So that's a quick uh, whip around news review of what's happening inside the Big Ten. Another fun story that got a lot of traction on the internet today. I'm not really sure why. I guess it's just kind of the sheer curiosity of uh, of some of the monopoly money. But uh, coaches' salaries were released today via USA Today. And obviously some prominent Big Ten coaches were, were featured on the list. So um, just for fun, let's re- run through some of these numbers. And uh, maybe we'll put a Twitter poll out um, tomorrow. And uh, we can decide if you think these are, uh, these are good deals, these are, uh, these are fair deals, or, or maybe these are bad deals. Well, uh, I guess we can vote on that on, on Twitter. Uh, so follow us on Lockdown Big Ten to, to check out those polls. So number three overall behind um, Dabo Swinney and Nick Saban is Michigan's Jim Harbaugh. He's, uh, he's at 7.5 mil plus a lot of, uh, a lot of bonus money on there as well. So he's the third highest paid coach. Obviously there's been a lot of expectations on Harbaugh in Michigan. It's probably pretty safe to say that those have not always been met thus far. Uh, and so I'm curious how Michigan fans feel about the 7.5 price tag there. The second big 10 coach, but number eight overall on the list was produced Jeff Brom. Uh, so 6.6 million annually, 
that's probably a, a lot to do with Louisville um, driving that number up a few years back. Uh, so Brahm is, is obviously a, a coach that, you know, he had a lot of promise. Injuries have really derailed uh, Purdue this year. So 6.6 for uh, for Jeff Brahm. The third in, in the Big Ten, number 11 overall, James Franklin, 5.6 mil. Right now you can't argue with that success. I know there's rumors out there about whether or not Franklin would stay there. And, you, you know, USC seems to pop every, uh, every now and again. Uh, but uh, James Franklin has a $16 million buyout. So let's see how that works out. Fourth on the list, number 12 overall, Pat Fitzgerald. He hauls in 5.1. Fifth in the Big Ten, number 14 overall, Scott Frost. $5 million a year with a $20 million buyout. Next on the list, number 18 overall, Kirk Ferentz, 4.8. Followed by Ryan Day, checks in at number 22. He's only he's only at 4.5. I say only 4.5, like I wouldn't take 4.5 tomorrow. But obviously for a, you know, a prominent a top three perennial program, um, you know, Ryan Day coming in at 4.5. The rest of the list rounds out Mark D'Antonio, Paul Christ, Lovey Smith, a surprise, P.J. Fleck, the 37th highest paid coach in the nation, 3.6. Curious how, uh, how that number may or may not change based on what happens this year. Like Loxley, uh, Chris Ash was, was notated in here, and then Tom Allen rounds out the uh, the Big Ten coaches. So a lot of people seem to really uh, really enjoy uh, that list. Uh, you know, I guess it's morbid curiosity. It's kind of like Monopoly money overall. But uh, there's certainly some, some good numbers. But we'll put some stuff out on, on social, and uh, we'll get some feedback from the audience on, again, whether these are these are bargains, uh, whether these are, are fair market value, or if there's some overpayment here. So, uh, you know, people seem to love this stuff, so follow us on social media. And, uh, and we'll get to that too. Um, but we mentioned PJ Fleck and certainly uh, a lot of great things happening in Minnesota. So uh, in just a moment, we're going to talk to Ryan Burns from Gopher Illustrated. He's going to give us the, the inside scoop on what's taken place thus far in the season for Minnesota and what we expect moving forward. So Ryan Burns with some, uh, some great insight here in just a second. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. All right, so one of the most surprising things so far this season probably has been the uh, the Minnesota Gophers. And uh, for more insight, uh, happy to welcome in Ryan Burns. He's the publisher at Gopher Illustrated, which is at 24-7 Sports. He's also the host of the Gopher Radio podcast. Ryan, thanks for taking some time to join us here today. Yeah, I appreciate you having me on to talk some Gopher football. Well, let's start big picture. If I told you preseason that we'd be talking here on October 23rd and Minnesota would be 7-0, and what would you have told me? I would have told you that's what I expected, which I'm not sure many people around the country did. But the way that Minnesota ended the season last year by winning three of their final four games in dominating fashion, including a, a big win on the road at Camp Randall in Wisconsin. And then you look at the way Minnesota schedule set up for their first eight games of the season. I, I went on Gopher Illustrated and won my preseason prediction piece, and I thought Minnesota was going to start 7-0. And a lot of people told me I was a homer. A lot of people told me that was outlandish. I don't know what I'm talking about. Well, I'm enjoying it here on October 23rd, sitting here thinking, oh, if only someone tried to tell them two months ago that Minnesota had a great opportunity to start 7-0 and on the season. So to me, it's not that incredibly surprising. Now, the way that they got there in terms of 
having a slow start to the season and then really turning it on here in big play surprises me a little bit. But 7-0 and is 7-0, and and this is a very, very exciting time up here in the Twin Cities to be covering Gopher football. Well, schedule is one thing, but obviously you got to go on the field and, and play. And, uh, and and so there's there I guess the well let me ask you this way so there's been some chatter I've read about kind of the, the way the offense has has flowed this year it's it's been different I suppose than, than what you've seen in years past how would you describe at least offensively how Minnesota's looked so far through the first seven games? This is the most multi-dimensional offense that I've covered and I've covered essentially this entire decade of go for football and the biggest difference is Minnesota actually has a legitimate passing game. Now that starts with their quarterback Tanner Morgan who is very very efficient and if you look at the efficiency stats from across fps football 100 all 128 all 130 teams there you're going to see tanner morgan's name atop those charts he's consistently been in the top 10 here over halfway through the season as minnesota hasn't had to throw the ball a lot now why haven't they had to throw the ball a lot well it doesn't take an elite football mind to tell you that if you're 7-0 you're in a lot of positive game scripts which tells you you're probably going to be running the ball a lot in the second half because you're trying to kill clock and you're trying to get out of there with a win. Now, Tanner Morgan is adequate enough to get it out to the outside where Minnesota's got two NFL receivers in waiting, one by the name of Tyler Johnson, who last week with his 100-yard game, no one has more 100-yard receiving games in gopher football history than Tyler Johnson. And then you also have Rashad Bateman, who is the 1B to his 1A, and he's the one that's stretching the field and allowing Johnson to operate underneath. And so – Minnesota's also got three running backs, by the way, and Mo Ibrahim and Roddy Smith and Shannon Brooks that have a combined 7,000 collegiate rushing yards. So you have an offense that you can no longer just either put seven, eight in the box and say, beat us through the air. Because if you do that, Minnesota has shown again in big 10 play against Purdue that we can pass for 400 yards and four touchdowns on you. And that's not a big deal one bit. So it's the offense that's really been the catalyst for this undefeated Gophers team. Yeah, let's talk more about Tanner Morgan. So his his stats are are, are solid, um, but the one that jumped out to me is is turnovers. He's only got three interceptions on the year. What has he done, or what has PJ Fleck done to put him in some positive situations? Well, see, the thing with Tanner Morgan is that the game goes on, he gets better. Where you look at those three interceptions on the year, I believe all of them are on the first fifteen plays of the offense, which is what the offensive coordinator has scripted. And so Tanner Morgan knows those are scripted plays. And I should be making my throw here into this window. And that's where he gets in trouble is he's trying to do so well behind his offensive coordinator to make sure that he's happy that he's been forcing some balls into those tight windows. Now, as the game goes on, he's been able to kind of settle down, especially if you look at his stats on third down and in the fourth quarters of games. I mean, you look at the first three games of the season, he had to leave. He had to lead either comeback drives in the fourth quarter to tie or take the lead in each one of those games. I mean, the one that's forever going to stick out to me is Minnesota had a third and 30 from their own six with no timeouts down four in that conference play. And they were able to number one, convert that and number two score on that drive to take the lead and win the game. Tanner Morgan, it doesn't, isn't the biggest guy in the world. He's probably six foot, doesn't have the biggest arm. Uh, he looks like he's a 45 year old man. If we're <laughs> going to be honest here too, he's not the biggest or the strongest guy in the world, but the kid's got some stones and he knows how to make plays when it matters. And so for a Minnesota football team, that that's essentially all they care about. That's how they're doing it. So how would you describe Minnesota's defense? So imagine somebody just beamed in here from, from planet, you know, planet Mars 
and uh, and wants to understand the Minnesota defense this year so far. How would you describe what you've seen defensively? Well, Joe Rossi has been the defensive coordinator for Minnesota for 10 games now. He was inserted into that role late in the year last year after Minnesota fired their, their defensive coordinator, Rob Smith. Minnesota in those games is now 9-1. and one. Now, it helps when you have an offense that's scoring the ball 35, 38 points a game. It certainly does. But the two things I would tell that person who, by the way, I'm incredibly jealous that they beamed in from Mars, is Minnesota's defense does two things really, really well. They stop the run and they limit big plays. Those are the two things that Joe Rossi tells us in the media each and every week. That is the game plan that they're trying to do. His thought process being, if you can stop the run, you're going to be in second and eight, or you're going to be third and seven, third and six. And that allows you to get your passing down, you know, edge rushers onto the field where you can be creative on how you want to generate pressure with four or five. You can take out the 330 pound nose guard and put in the 250 pound edge rusher to try and give the offensive line a different look. Minnesota has been successful in big 10 play, especially at stopping the run. And they've also been even better at limiting big plays. That's what plagued them game after game after game last year, where how does Minnesota give up in 2018, 55 points to Illinois, 53 to Nebraska, 42 to a Maryland team that never ran a play from the red zone and scored 42 points, which is just an incredible stat in itself. Well, they've limited big plays this year. That was the huge thing that killed them last year. Rossi knew that. He was on the defensive staff. And Minnesota has done a very good job at limiting big plays. I think the biggest the biggest play in general against this gopher defense went for 45 yards. And there haven't been too many even close to that. Minnesota takes a lot of pride in saying, hey, we want you to drive 8, 10, 12 play drives against us. And if you can do that and if you can score, well, then you've earned that point. They just don't want to get beat over the top. They don't want to get beat with big plays in the ground. So if they can stop the run and they can limit the plays, that's what Mr. Mars needs to know. How good is Antoine Winfield Jr.? He's a playmaker. That's all he does is Antoine Winfield makes the biggest plays when Minnesota needs him. He has single-handedly ended Fresno State's life the last two years with uh, two interceptions to end the game. Last year, he makes an incredible one-handed pick and somehow figures out how to get a foot down. This year, Fresno State is going for it. Uh, Minnesota kicked the field goal in the second overtime. Winfield comes out of nowhere. And to, to give you a, a picture is when Fresno State tried to throw it to the front pylon, and when the quarterback released that throw, Antoine Winfield's hips were flipped, and he was on the center hash. He somehow was able to turn, flip his hips, and high point and come down with the ball at the front pylon. Now, maybe there was too much loss on that ball, but even still, Winfield just continues to make plays. And if we're going to go with the narrative street, and I love taking a stroll down narrative street, um, the last two years, when you're looking at Minnesota's upcoming game against Maryland this weekend, Antoine Winfield against Maryland has suffered season-ending non-contact injuries. Now, I'm sure Winfield isn't thinking about it a lot, but you have to know it's in the back of his mind that Whoever has this voodoo doll that continues to to press into it against Maryland, please don't do that this week uh, because he's been playing so, so well, coming off two interceptions and a pick six in that against Rutgers last week. But he's the playmaker in this go for secondary, and Minnesota surely needed him. Well, you mentioned voodoo dolls, not to not to make light of a of a may, what may be a bad situation, but uh, Kamal Martin was injured against Rutgers. Uh, looked like a 
pretty serious knee injury. Any updates on his status either for, for this upcoming week or even moving forward? Yeah, Fleck went on the radio yesterday and said that Kamal Martin is a game-time decision for this weekend, which if you believe him, that would be incredible considering that it was a non-contact right knee injury or right leg injury anyway. But the interesting part about it is normally with ACL tears is the training staff knows immediately um, and he doesn't have to stay in the injury tent long and they put some ice on it and he's, you know, he's done. Well, Kamal stayed in that injury tent for 15 freaking minutes, 15 minutes. And so while you're up there sitting in the press box, me and the media members were like, what is he doing in there? Like, you know, immediately if it's an ACL tear or not, well, he then gets the cart to the locker room. And now Fleck is saying that they got good news and he's a game time decision. Well, I would be absolutely flabbergasted if Kamal Martin plays this weekend because Minnesota has a bye week next week. Uh, and so you could essentially allow him to get three weeks of rest uh, from the time he played against Rutgers up until a, what is going to be arguably the biggest home game for Minnesota in, in quite a few years when they face Penn State that second weekend of November. So I don't think he plays this weekend. I don't think there's any really point to. I think you can beat Maryland without him. But uh, the you know the good news is it sounds like he could be back here at some point. Now I'm still kind of waiting to see it, if that's going to be the case against Penn State. But you would have three weeks of rest since the last time he played to try and get that injury, whatever it is, uh, get it healed and get it ready to go because he has been, in my opinion, the MVP of the scope for defense. Well, you mentioned the uh, the remaining schedule. So three of the last four are pretty tough, Penn State, Iowa, and Wisconsin. What does Minnesota need to do to to run the table and or at least take the majority of those games to, to close out the season? Well, they need to, well, it helps when you continue to score 30-plus points a game, which Tanner Morgan has now started 13 games as a Golden Gopher quarterback, and Minnesota's averaging over 30 points a game. Now, I don't have to tell you that if you're scoring over 30 points a game in the Big Ten, you're probably going to be winning a lot of football games. So if Minnesota can continue to be efficient with putting up points on the board, that's going to help. But defensively, I think it's going to get much tougher because you get to get into some of these bigger power teams with the Wisconsin's and the Iowa's coming up here. Um, and it's going to be a big test for Minnesota. They haven't won in Kinnick Stadium, which is Iowa Stadium, in 20 years. Now, they also hadn't won in Camp Randall in over 25 years, and they were able to do that last season. So I think the biggest thing is if Minnesota is going to be a legitimate contender, they number one have to win this weekend against Maryland. You can't have a, a letdown game and and give Big Ten West opponents, um, you know, an extra game because the reality is Minnesota after this weekend and heading into November should have a two-game lead in the Big Ten West unless you believe Wisconsin's going to go into Columbus and beat Ohio State. Now, I don't think they're going to do that, but if that would be the case uh, where Wisconsin loses, both Wisconsin and Iowa have two Big Ten losses and Minnesota would have none. So Minnesota's going to, you know, if they're going to win in the Big Ten West, they're going to have to win a game they're quote-unquote not supposed to. That means you're going to have to beat either Penn State, you're going to have to beat Iowa on the road, or what I still think is the most likely scenario is Minnesota's final game of the year is a home game against Wisconsin. I I think that game is going to be not only for Paul Bunyan's axe, but the Big Ten West shot at Ohio State. So Minnesota's just can't fall into a trap game situation this weekend, and they're going to have to find, they're going to have to find a way to win one of those games they're quote unquote not supposed to, when you get into November. All right, let's close on this. So uh, sometimes Ryan, sports can bring out uh, the best in people, and 
can produce some of the most uh, touching moments that you'll see. And and we had one of those this past weekend. Uh, Minnesota uh, backup quarterback Casey O'Brien got on the field to to hold an extra point. And uh, his story was featured recently on game day. I know it's been written about a, a bunch up there as well. But uh, obviously Casey's a, a, a cancer survivor four times over and uh, got on the field and uh, was able to, to hold and, and post that play. Him and P.J. Fleck had a long embrace uh, on the field, which, you know, I don't know what was going on in your house, but somebody in my house was chopping onions or something when that was happening for me. But um, how would you, I guess, uh, describe sort of the, you know, h- how the mood was after the game and, and how Casey and P.J. Fleck were after the game and just kind of what Casey means to the Minnesota program? It's, it's a big deal, and you weren't the only one uh, having some allergic reactions, which we're calling which were causing these tears to stream down from your face. If, if you weren't feeling some kind of an emotional response there, I don't know that you're human and I think you're a robot because <laughs> he, Casey O'Brien has had four surgeries, uh, not four surgeries. He's beaten cancer four different times in his life. And all he wanted to do growing up was have a chance to be a golden gopher football player. Now he knows that he's got a lot of physical limitations on his body because of the cancer four different times he's had, I believe something like 50 surgeries, which is just incredible. And he still wants to be out there each and every day with his Gopher football brethren. And, you know, you, you watch the game day thing and, and you see kind of the backstory there and all the good he's done here in the twin cities uh, metro area with the kids in the hospitals and, you know, having to be able to walk up to them and they're like, well, who are you? And he can say, well, I'm a guy who's beat cancer four different times and I know what you're going through and I can relate. And for him to be able to get on the field and I know his parents very well, they were there. And I remember talking to his dad after the game. I mean, it was a very, very emotional day for them in the stands to see him get on the field, to see his teammates immediately after that snap, just embrace him. And then to see Fleck and him share that moment on the sidelines, it was incredible. I mean, that's what sports is about, just creating these moments of it puts things in perspective where, yeah, it's about the win-loss results at at the end of the day, and that's maybe going to dictate your mood. But Casey O'Brien can now for the rest of his life say, I played Big Ten football and I got three snaps of Big Ten football, and no one can take that away from me. It's just a very, very special moment. Well said. This is Ryan Burns, Gopher Illustrated, Gopher Radio Podcast. You can uh, you can find him at 247 Sports as well. Ryan, uh, so we talked about Mars. Uh, we strolled down Narrative Lane, and we had some robot talk as well. But uh, in between all that, uh, really good insight on Gopher football. So we appreciate you for joining us here on the Locked On Big Ten Podcast. I uh, appreciate you having me on. Hope to talk for you. talk with you soon. All right. Again, our thanks to Ryan Burns. And uh, coming up, though, the first ever release of the Locked On Big Ten Podcast power rankings Wednesday weekly Wednesday rankings coming up in here in just a moment but before we get to that I do want to remind you about uh, about something that you uh, you probably need to know about and that's Roman look erectile dysfunction used to be a tough to tackle but now there's Roman complete an online visit today to connect with a doctor and take care of it just go to getroman.com slash locked to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping All right, I know what you're thinking. There are polls for everything. I think there are polls now that rank polls, and there are power rankings that rank power rankings, but that leaves me undeterred. So the debut of the Locked On Power wank- Rankings, wow, that's hard. That's tough to say. Uh, power Rankings. Uh, so each Wednesday, I'm going to go through the uh, the teams in the Big Ten, 
And uh, I'm going to give you my power rankings. I'm going to rank these things from bottom to top. Uh, we're only going to do top 10, though. I think, uh, you know, there's some bottom teams and uh, they're, they're having bad enough seasons yet. So I'm not going to uh, to pile on. So uh, so let's start with our uh, my number 10 team right now. They are the... Purdue Boilermakers. I'm going to use the heck out of these sounds. Purdue comes in for me at number 10. I know they're two and five on the season, but they've dealt with a number of injuries. Um, and I, I think it'd be interesting to see where they'd be at if they had their starting quarterback, Sindelar, and they had Rondale Moore. I think Jeff Brom's a bright coach. He's got a bright offensive mind. I think uh, obviously two and five is a tough record, but uh, I'm going to give them a bit of a bit of a pass if I can, uh, just because the injuries have been what they have been. So Purdue comes in at number 10. Let's see who checks in at number nine. Nebraska Cornhuskers. GBR comes in at nine. They're four and three on the season. Uh, Their good has been good. Their bad has been really bad. And then they had a bunch of okay in in between that. And uh, I think I talked about this yesterday in the show. It depends on what your expectations of of Nebraska were coming into the season. Obviously, the Minnesota game was disappointing. I don't think they, they showed up very well there. But uh, Adrian Martinez has been injured. Uh, Noah Vedrill hasn't necessarily stepped in to, to take the reins there. They have a, a game at home against Indiana this weekend. Indiana, which I think is a, t- a sneaky, tough team. So we'll learn a lot about Nebraska, I think, this Saturday. But for right now, I have them firmly, squarely planted as the number nine team. That brings me to number eight. And that team is... Michigan State Spartans. Sparty, four and three on the year. Uh, the offense hasn't been great at times. Defense has been kind of what you might expect from a, uh, you know, from a from a pen uh, from a, a Michigan State defense. Um, but look, the reality is uh, the offense hasn't hasn't been you know what it maybe needs to be right. They're averaging twenty three points on the season. Uh, they're giving up twenty one on defense. You know, it's uh, it's been an interesting year. There's been a lot of transfers. There's been a lot of uh, noise in and around the program. Um, so. Well, again, we'll see what happens this weekend. You know, you never put anything past them, and they have Penn State coming to town. Penn State obviously is uh, a bit of a run, so they can quickly turn their fortunes if they're able to uh, to pull, uh, I guess, an upset here this weekend. But right now, my uh, my number eight team is Michigan State. Number seven, Indiana Hoosiers. I'm on I'm on the Indiana bandwagon. I don't really know why they're five and two. Um, again, they're going to be at Nebraska this weekend, uh, a tough uh, place to play. Obviously, Frost will have that, that group fired up. I just like the moxie of Indiana right now. Offensively, they're averaging 33 points a game. On defense, they're, they're, only, uh, they're only giving up 20 points a game, 297 yards. So Nebraska, obviously, from an offensive standpoint, they are, you know, they're, they're okay. They're, they're averaging almost 400 yards a game. So this will be a, an interesting uh, challenge this weekend. But I have Indiana at, uh, at seven this week, number six on our list. Locked on. Michigan Wolverines. Five and two for the fighting Jim Harbaugh's. They uh, they played Notre Dame, so kind of out of conference uh, this week. Um, I think a lot was expected of Michigan. They're still a ranked team. They're num- number 19 in the country. Offensively, they're averaging 29 points a, a game, um, but they've had some some ups and downs. Their defense is giving up 19 points a game, so in theory, they're, they've been on the right side, but... Uh, They've lost a, a couple of uh, a couple of games here. Obviously, a close one to Penn State, and uh, what was a sort of a, a, a no doubter um, against Wisconsin. So, I guess we'll learn more about what Michigan is this week. But right now, what I think they are is the number six best team in the in the Big Ten. Number five would be Minnesota Golden Gophers. I know, right? They're seven and zero. How can they be down at number five? The only reason, as we talked about with Ryan Burns, is they haven't necessarily played a lot of people yet. I think the toughest part of their schedule is ahead. 
I do think they deserve their credit for what they've done so far. I think P.J. Fleck, Tanner Morgan, I think that group has done a, a fantastic job. I think you heard about the offense, how that's changed. 36 points a game right now, only giving up 21. They have Maryland coming to town. Uh, Maryland's, you know, got a, a uh, an offense that's uh, that's put up some points, 35 a game, and we'll see what happens with the quarterback position this week. Um, so I think we'll, uh, you know, it's 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 a, a, a good honor to be seven and zero, but I, I just I just question whether or not they've played the best teams yet. So until uh, until they get some of those guys on the schedule, I got them at number five. Number four, Iowa Hawkeyes. The five and two Iowa Hawkeyes. Uh, Averaging 25 points in offense, so not an offensive juggernaut, but their defense is solid. They're only giving up 11 points a game. They have Northwestern this weekend. I, I have no reason to suspect that'll change. Uh, again, they, they have a, a tough injury at the wide receiver spot, um, and so maybe a little too high in Iowa right now. I think uh, potentially maybe Iowa-Minnesota flip-flop at some point, but right now I have Iowa as the, uh, the fourth uh, team in my poll, my weekly power ranking. Number three is... Wisconsin Badgers. Old pack of Badgers, averaging 39 points a game. Jonathan Taylor's a stud, potentially one of the, the Heisman favorites. I think you see his name, Joe Burrow, up there. Obviously a really tough game against Illinois, but a one-point loss nonetheless. They still have a lot of game to play. They have Ohio State this weekend. And so the the season, I think, is still certainly in front of them, and there's still potential for them to, uh, to get into the postseason in some form or fashion. So I'm not going to write them off just yet. Um, but we'll see if they can get more consistent. You know, I think the Illinois game maybe comes down to your your typical trap game. But uh, I guess we'll find out if they're ready to take on Ohio State this weekend. Number two. Penn State Nittany Lions. Um, my announcer cannot say Nittany very well. So Penn State, uh, 7-0. Again, they are playing Sparty this weekend. Uh, you know, they, they've had a solid year so far. I think K.J. Hamlin's a star. Sean Clifford's done just enough. And, uh, and, and we'll see if they can keep the train rolling here this week. Uh, which probably leaves you a no-doubter at uh, the number one team. The Ohio State Buckeyes. The Ohio State Buckeyes, number one, uh, 7-0. They have Wisconsin this weekend. And they, can, they can cement, uh, I guess, what happens in their destiny if uh, with a sound win this weekend. Um, Ryan Day, look, that transition from from Urban Meyer to Ryan Day, we talked about yesterday, has been, has been fairly smooth. And right now, I don't have any reason to take them off the top spot. They are averaging 49 points a game only giving up eight points on defense. Uh, so it should be an interesting battle this weekend to, to see what happens. And we'll, uh, we'll preview that game as, uh, as the week continues. But right now, for me, the number one team in the Locked On Podcast Power Rankings is the Ohio State University. And that's a, that's a, that's a heck of a run. So if you disagree with all these, uh, which I'm sure you probably will, um, again, uh, feel free to engage me. Let's go. Uh, uh, Locked on Big Ten on Twitter. You can find me at Sports by Adam as well if you want to have some conversation about what you see here. And, uh, and let me know what you think. Maybe we'll cover some of these on a weekly mailbag. But uh, until then, stay locked in on Locked On Big Ten. Bye.